The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. He does give us whatever we need, whether it's ability, whatever it is, people around us, training. He'll give us what we need to accomplish what he has for us. And so that's what we see in Mary's life, and I hope that's what we see tonight. We will demonstrate how God prepares, encourages, and gives grace to his servants as they serve him in obedience. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we are so thankful that we serve such a wonderful God, a God that we can trust for everything, a God that never lets his people down, a God that is always in control, no matter what the situation, a God that allows us as sinful people to be his servants. And Lord, we do not recognize how blessed we are to serve a God like you. Um, and so, God, I pray tonight that you would just remind us of who you are, that we would see you strong, working strong on behalf of Mary, and that we would be encouraged that we serve the same God Mary did, and that you will work on our behalf as well. Uh, help us just to be convicted this evening to surrender all to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the goal tonight will not be get it to, to get deep into any one text. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to survey a few of the events of Mary's life and then quickly try and pull this together in, in three quick lessons about who God is that should motivate us to serve. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we'll begin reading probably in verse 28. The first encouragement that we're going to see God give to Mary is found in his encouragement from the angel Gabriel as the news is given. And I was thinking about Gabriel receiving the task from God to go to see Mary. I was wondering in my head just how that conversation might have taken place. God calls Gabriel to him and says, Listen, Gabriel, I have a job for you. Um, I am going to send my son, Jesus Christ. He is going to go to the earth. He is going to live this life, and he's going to ultimately die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And Gabriel goes, What? God, why would you do that? I mean, you see how sinful these people are. You see how wicked they are. You see how they've rebelled against you. Every single one of them have turned their backs against you. Why would you ever send your son for people like this? God says, Gabriel, stop questioning me. This is what I'm doing. And he says, okay, Gabriel, so you are going to go find this, this girl, this young girl named Mary. She lives in Nazareth. And Gabriel looks down and he knows the place. <laughs> what? Nazareth? Mary, like, God, you got this wrong. If, if your son is going to be born in this world, at least pick a king. At least pick a palace. At least pick a good place to be born into, not a place like Nazareth. But Gabriel goes, and then during this conversation, this is what I think happened, okay? And, and I know that this is outside of the realm of exactly what we've been given in the Bible, but I think something like this happened. Gabriel says, I can't believe that you're going to give Mary this responsibility. And... God says, oh yeah, and by the way, Gabriel, when you speak to Mary, be very kind. Be encouraging. Be loving. Because this is going to be hard for her. And Gabriel is thinking, Mary is the most blessed woman to ever walk the planet. There is no way this should be tough for her. And God says, be kind to her. And we see that in how the angel Gabriel treats Mary. So in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 28, so the angel Gabriel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So he starts off very nice, right? You're highly favored and you're blessed among women. When she saw him, so Mary sees this angel, and just like all of us, she was terrified. She would have been scared. 
it says that she was troubled at the saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You see how gentle Gabriel is being here? Mary, don't be scared. It's okay, Mary. You don't have to be scared. God, he's, you found favor with him. He's looking well upon you. This is a good thing from, from God in heaven. Don't be afraid. Already encouraging. And then, Gabriel goes on, and, and Mary has a, a question here. But from their conversation, Mary says, how is this possible? And Gabriel gives her all these reasons that, she's, that it's, it's possible, it's going to happen, and she doesn't need to be scared. He says, first of all, the importance of this child. You don't need to be scared. This is a wonderful thing. You are highly favored. Don't be afraid. This child is going to be the Messiah. He's going to have the throne of his father David. He's the, going to be the king of kings, the Messiah that everybody's been waiting for. This is a wonderful thing. You don't need to be scared. God is going to take care of you. This child is important then goes on to explain what will happen and then promises that everything is possible with God. See, God just didn't just send Gabriel to say, listen, Mary, here's your job, go do it. Sent Gabriel in a loving way where he explained what was going to happen. He, he offered promise after promise from God to her to encourage her and then said, listen, everything is possible with God. And so Mary, all, all Mary needed to do, the only thing was to submit to God's will. She didn't have to wonder about whether God was ever going to take care of her. She didn't have to wonder if it was possible. She just had to trust and, o- and obey. But he was so encouraging in how he delivered this message. So we go on in Mary's life. Encouraged by the angel Gabriel. Number two, encouraged by Elizabeth. And it's interesting to me that in verse 36, it is the angel Gabriel that tells Mary about Elizabeth. So already he's pointing Mary in the direction of Elizabeth. And I wonder why he was doing that. I believe it's because God had more encouragement planned for Mary through Elizabeth. And so Mary goes to see Elizabeth. And maybe at this time she's doubting. Maybe she's wondering, listen, God, I mean, my family's rejecting me. Nobody else knows. I I, I mean, we don't know where Mary's at at this point. But I, I just wonder if she's, did I just have a weird dream? Like, was it, is this really happening to me? Is this real? Well, Elizabeth confirms all of this. First of all, we have the physical sign of Elizabeth's baby John leaping in the womb. As she walks up, John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. What what a wonderful thing. The confirmation that God is performing a miracle already in Elizabeth's life. And so she can be confident that the same God that's doing that for Elizabeth will do that for her as well. She has now the companionship of another believer, another person that believes in what God is doing and is there for her. And and that's a wonderful thing. See, God provides this encouragement for all of us, and I I hope that as we go through the story with Mary, you're thinking about how God is doing this in your life. And God does this in your life. God gives other believers in your life that will encourage you and will help you and will push you in the right direction, just like he did with Mary. God gives you promises that you can cling to in his word. And the promises are just as relevant for your situation as they were for Mary's. God is so good to us. And so here we have a reiteration of the promise of God so that Mary can be sure. In Luke chapter 1, verse 45, Elizabeth says to her, Blessed is she that believed. 
For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Listen, Mary, you're blessed. You believed. That's all you needed to do. You just needed to trust and obey. And now because you've believed and you've had that faith, there will be a performance of those things. Great encouragement for her. Moving on very quickly. Encouraged by Gabriel, by Elizabeth, number three, by the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 19, we have the story of the shepherds being visited by this, all of these angels that are singing glory to God in the highest and telling them about the Savior that is being born in Bethlehem. And, and here at this point, Mary now has Joseph, and God has been, again, kind to Mary by giving her Joseph, her husband. And so she's on her way to Bethlehem uh, to be taxed, to be, to be counted. And as she's on her way there, I wonder if she has any of these doubts. I mean, they knock on the the wall, the door, the door of the inn, and Mary just assumes, maybe, that it, there's going to be room. I mean, there's got to be room. She knows who she's carrying, and so God is surely going to provide for her a, a place to stay, right? A place to have her baby, and there's not. God, why is there no room in the inn? God, there's no way you would have your son born in a barn. I mean, really, do you expect us to lay him in a manger? Is that how it's going to go? There's no way that God would do that. Am I really right in all this? Is this happening? And soon after the baby is born, these shepherds show up to declare to her and to everybody else what they have been told by the angels. That the Savior has been born. Confirmation there that that Christ is the Savior. If she had any doubts as she was sitting there in this barn with her husband and her new baby, when these shepherds walk up and they declare what the angels sang to them and they declare to Bethlehem what God is doing and, and that he's brought the Savior, and those doubts, they're, they're satisfied. You know, she's, she's been encouraged. But it doesn't stop there with Mary. Because soon after that, about 40 days after actually, she goes into Jerusalem because she's going to be, she's going to, to have Jesus, Jesus Uh, she's going to give the sacrifices for Jesus. And Joseph and Mary were very poor, and so they didn't have the normal sacrifice of a lamb. Instead, they brought a couple pigeons or a couple doves. And so they bring these doves to sacrifice, and and there by the temple is a man named Simon the prophet. And Simon, in Luke chapter 2, verses 28 to 33, says this. Luke 2, 28 to 33. It says, Then he took him up in his arms, and blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the angels, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I mean, Simon here appears, he's a prophet, he speaks to Mary and Joseph and confirms everything that God has already told them. You say, why would Simon be there? I mean, why? God doesn't need to do that. There's no... Because that's how God works. God is just constantly confirming this plan. And he does this throughout, to, uh, with all of his promises. The, the promise that was given to Abraham, the, the Abrahamic covenant, that was given to Abraham a couple times just that we know of. I mean, you go on, and and it's a wonderful study to look at Abraham's life and to see how God makes references to these promises over and over again. And then he promises them again to Isaac, and and the promise is passed down, and it's given to Israel over and over again. Why? 
because he knows what we're like. We, he knows we forget. He knows we doubt. And so what he does is he just, <laughs> he encourages. He reminds us. He brings to our minds these wonderful promises that he's already made. He doesn't have to do that. He is a great God that does. Encouraged by the shepherds, encouraged by Simon the prophet, encouraged by the visit of the wise men. A little while after that, now they're in Bethlehem again. They're living in the house. And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, we won't, we won't read that tonight, but we have the shepherds show up. Or, sorry, the wise men show up. And these wise men, they're, they're the magi. They're kind of like royalty. Um, and they bring gifts that are suitable for a king. And they worship Jesus as a king. And so not only is she encouraged by the shepherds that the Savior has been born, but she's encouraged that the king is born. Right? I mean, by the Magi. And, and she begins these gifts. And you just see how God, throughout this early stage of her life, going through all these troubles with her family, going through all these troubles, I mean, not having money, not having anything they need, God is encouraging her. We could probably assume that many times throughout Mary's life this happened. Uh, it, it is recorded a few more times. I think that the marriage at Cana of Galilee demonstrates again God encouraging Mary uh, in Jesus as he performs a miracle of turning the water into wine. But I, I just want to bring to our minds one last time when God encourages Mary. And I believe this is when Mary is watching her son hang on the cross. I mean, worst time possible, worst thing that any mother could conceive of, to watch your son tortured, to watch him beat beyond recognition. I mean, we don't understand what Jesus went through while he hung on that cross, and Mary, as his mother, is sitting at the foot, watching her son's blood drip from the cross, watching the torment that he's being put, watching people spit on him. I can't imagine what that would be like for Mary. Tough time. Hey, God expects his servants to go through tough times. But in the midst of this tough time, in the midst of Jesus bearing all of the sins of mankind, John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Now there stood at the foot of the cross, uh, for the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus, bearing the sin of the world, sees his mother and sees what she's going through and looks at her and makes sure that she is taken care of. One of the seven things that Jesus said from the cross is, Mom, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. John, take good care of my mom. Mom, he's going to act like a, he's going to take care of you. Isn't that beautiful? This is Mary going through all of this torment. All, and, and she looks up to, the, to Jesus, who is her son and her savior. And as he is bearing her sin on the cross, he's also taking care of her physical needs. Uh, that's, that's just amazing. And then I can't imagine the encouragement that she experienced at the resurrection. And at the resurrection when now Jesus, her son, is alive and everything that was promised to her is now, it's in full bloom. It has come to fruition. It's happening. It's real. Everything confirmed. And then when she sees her sons, her other sons, not just Jesus, but them come to Christ for salvation. 
for them to be praying in the upper room in the book of Acts. What a wonderful story about how God just rewarded her and took care of her and encouraged her the entire way. And so you say, how does that all apply to us? How do we look at Mary's story and see how God was so good to Mary and say, okay, what does that mean for me? Well, I think there are three things that we see about God that should encourage us. The first one is this. God is faithful in our weakness. God is faithful in our weakness. God did not use Mary because she was strong. She was the opposite of strong. God didn't use her because she was strong. God used Mary because her weakness would demonstrate his strength. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities, in persecutions in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And that is the message for the believer. That God doesn't equip you with everything that you need to serve Him apart from Him. He equips you with everything you need to serve Him with Him, by Him, through Him. He says, here's the job and here I am to help you. And, and if we ever think that we have the strength to do the job that He's given us without Him, then we're a fool and we're at the point where we need to be humbled. And God says that's what he's going to do. He's going to take the pride and make them humble. But he's going to lift up the humble. And so Mary is weak, very clearly weak. You can't look at anything about Mary, about her life prior to this, and say, listen, what? she's just got everything going for her. You see weakness, and then you see God's strength in her and through her. And then you see a woman who was strong, and she was able to be at the foot of the cross when all the disciples fled, because she was just faithfully trusting God the whole way, and God was giving her the strength she needed. God is faithful in our weakness. We are not designed to succeed on our own. We are designed to succeed with him. So God is faithful in our weakness. God is faithful in our uncertainty. If we are ever uncertain, God is faithful. If, If we ever are in the darkness. You know, you you feel like you just don't know the next step. You feel like you don't know what's going on. You don't see God's plan. You don't see the end of the tunnel. When we're uncertain, God is faithful. And I am positive. I mean, we look at Mary's life and we really don't see a lot of very clear doubt. It seems like God encouraged her through the whole way and, and Mary kind of trusted the whole way. But I'm sure there are times that she was laying in bed at night. There was, there was just those thoughts, you know, a little bit of worry, a little bit of uncertainty, and just not, not quite sure where the next meal is going to come from. Not, I mean, I wonder if she had those thoughts. I, I assume that because she was human, she did. I think we all do. We're all uncertain at times. And through all those times, God is faithful. Do you know that God always shows himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him, them who are following him and trying to do right and trying to obey? The promise for God to be faithful is given all the time in the Bible. God is always promising he'll be faithful, but he promises that to those people that will trust him and will obey him and will turn to him and will seek him. Those people that realize that they're weak, but realize that they need him. He will be faithful. God is faithful in our uncertainty and he's faithful in our suffering. When we are suffering, God is faithful. Even when Mary's heart is broken by the torture she has to watch her son go through. God is faithful. He's on the cross and he's still taking care of her. Do you know what's, I mean, interesting about Mary's life, I think a great lesson from Mary's life is that God allows Mary to go through suffering. God, when he's on the cross, 
he doesn't, he doesn't do something like make Mary believe something that's not true. He, do, he doesn't make it like all of the cross goes away. He doesn't take the torture away. He doesn't take, she, she wept and sobbed and wailed her son's death for three days. He doesn't take away all of that suffering. He just is there through it. He helps her get through, through it. And do you know what God promises? He doesn't promise to alleviate all of your suffering. He promises to be there through it and to help you get through it. He promises that that suffering is not in vain, that ultimately that can be for your good and his glory. He promises that someday all of that suffering will end. God is faithful in our suffering. Christians often form these kind of prenuptial agreements with God where it's kind of like, God, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We'll be buddies and you can, you can tell me what to do, but you've got to kind of pave the way. You've got to make it so I can see the next step. You've got you to make it easy, right? We always want God to make it easy for us. And God says, no. No, I won't do that. I've promised you suffering. If you, suffer, if you live for Christ, you will suffer persecution. I mean, it's going to happen. What God does is when we go through the suffering, he helps us and he's there with us. And it's for good and it's for a purpose. God is faithful in our suffering. So the big idea tonight, we should surrender all because God is faithful. We should surrender all because God is faithful. We sing that song all the time, don't we? I mean, it's a great song if we can sing it for real. But I wonder if it's a good idea for a church of people to sing it when they don't mean it. You know, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender all to him I freely give. Can you say that? I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. How about this verse? All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. It's, it's easy to sing, but think about that. That is saying you are going to live just like Mary. I'm surrendering it all. All of my worldly desires, all of my worldly plans, anything that I want to do myself that is not in line with your plan, God, I'm going to give that away to you. Do we do that? I don't know. I think that we live more like the song written by Casting Crowns, somewhere in the middle. They say, fearless warriors in a picket fence, reckless abandon wrapped in common sense. Deep water faith in the shallow end, we are caught in the middle. With eyes wide open to the differences, the God we want and the God who is, but will we trade our dreams for his or are we caught in the middle? Just how close can I get, Lord, to my surrender without losing all control? And I think that's us. Lord, how close can I get? How much of your word can I keep? How good of a Christian can I be while still clinging to my control, while keeping this life still in my hands? And with Mary, he said, I'm going to take everything, Mary. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. And with us, he says, listen, I require everything. I require your life. You are to live your entire life for the glory of God because I own you, because I created you, because I redeemed you. And the question is, do we say, here's half. Here's the parts I'm willing to give. Or do we say, I surrender all. And the wonderful truth here is that in our weakness, in our uncertainty, in our suffering, 
God is faithful. He will be faithful to you. So will you faithfully surrender all to him? Let's pray.